welcome to the AFA Podcast, the official podcast for AnimationForAdults.com. This is episode 58, where we're going to be taking a look at the Nintendo Company following their recent announcement of the Nintendo Switch, their brand new console. So as a bit of a go, we're going to go back a bit and talk about the Nintendo games that have come out in the past, its involvement with animation, and just, you know, what makes Nintendo games just so unique compared to the rest of uh, the video game industry. And joining me today is Chris. Hey, Chris. Hey, Rachel. How have you been? I have been all right. I am having a very relaxed weekend. (laughs) (laughs) I've had a busy few days before that, and then just doing very little weekend, just playing video games and watching movies and listening to podcasts and stuff. Very cool. Chilling. (laughs) Ain't nothing like chilling, as I always say. Especially after especially (laughs) after a busy week. There ain't nothing like kicking back after just, you know, for one or two days just to just catch your breath. But but we are going to be talking about cartoons as well, just for the non gamers Mm -hmm. out there. Just so they they know. (laughs) (laughs) So you can listen to those. Yeah, bits. It's, it's, we, we, <laughs> we kind of t- we tend to do even even though our today's episode is going to be a bit more video game focused. There we always you know we're animation first and foremost. So if that that also includes Japanese animation, cartoons, movie animated movies, you name it. So it's, we're going to be talking about a whole bunch of stuff. But we're our main topic today is mainly going to be focused on to video games. Okay, and. Also joining us today to talk about Nintendo, we have our one and only Yvonne. Hey, Yvonne. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> it's been going good. How have you been? Doing well. Uh, let's see. I'm just uh, I'm trying to catch up on films because I'm way behind. <laughs> and um, and then uh, <laughs> I mentioned this before, but we are uh, we're putting together some um, sort of supplement. Um, or supporting activities and events, um, events and workshops uh, for Animation Nights New York. So that's really exciting. Um, Sweet. It's some, uh, yeah, we had uh, a software company approach us about uh, sponsoring uh, the monthly events. And we've already done, um, what's cool is we've already done, I know, I know, we'll see, we have to um, work out the details, but the idea is that, because um, we've already done a couple workshops already, you know, I mean, remember Bill Plimpton came and gave us a master class and then, um, uh, Mark has done his cinematic uh, VR presentation, so we've we've already, you know, we've sort of already been offering those, but we want to offer them on a more of a monthly basis, and uh, and if we could do it um, in a way that's uh, that's beneficial to our um, community, um, and so that people really come away getting something from it, um, and it, you know, not just have it uh, be only an advertisement for software but something that's beneficial um i think it could be really a kind of a cool thing um moving forward you know and also a way to to um maybe support the cause (laughs) Um, yeah totally yeah and um it's pretty cool so we have you know the team is sort of taking um more of the monthly sort of tasks that i've been doing all by myself um so it's just great yeah, I know. It's really great. Yeah, honestly, it's really cool because, you know, and I told everyone, like, I want everyone to kind of own it, um, own, you know, Animation Nights New York, you know, own a part of it um, mm-hmm. so that we can all just sort of, you know, create, grow this thing sort of together. And, and that way I can I can focus on um, 
on uh, connecting to people to, to see if they're interested in sponsoring, which, you know, is something I definitely never sign up to do, <laughs> but <laughs> it has to be done. So yeah. we want to keep it going. And, um, but yeah, it's all super exciting and, and there's just really terrific content coming through and, you know, we're integrating, uh, we're going to, we'll be integrating, uh, VR in the monthly events and, um, you know, it, it's just, it's exciting. So this is just like another thing that, that we can, uh, do and take on. And, um, I was working on the pitch deck <laughs> right before I talked to you guys. But yeah. So before we get into our main topic, we're going to just go over a couple quick news stories. Uh, one of the big ones that has been quite a f- long time coming was the announcement uh, via Crunchyroll that they are actually going to, they have started to air uh, episodes of Dragon Ball Super, the latest Dragon Ball anime series to uh, hit the hit japan and for the longest time it was airing in japan like since back in from 2015 but there had been little to no word on when that was going to be getting an international release which is a little odd considering how these past previous uh these previous movies with the uh battle of gods and resurrection of f how internationally successful those films were that you know that would you you would have think a new series making that an international release right off the bat would have been a no-brainer but uh, apparently, for whatever reason, they've it took them this long, but now that it's uh, finally it's finally here, and uh, they're going about it with uh, releasing the most recent episodes and arc on Crunchyroll, and they said they're I believe they're going to be following that up, releasing the previous uh, episodes from the previous arcs um, starting October thirtieth. But uh, it's yeah, it's becoming uh, available in a lot uh, a lot of different areas. Uh, United States, I think you said, uh, what were the other areas, Chris? Uh, on Crunchyroll, it's going to be in the US and Canada, Latin America, Australia, New Zealand, and South Africa, but it's also going to be available in some of those countries and also in Europe on Daisuke, uh, including the UK and Ireland, uh, who previously looked to be left out when the announcement first came out we all the uk and irish anime films fans were watching going hang on what where are we we're on the, we're on the list hey it's like, we're, what's we're this about like, we're like hey. dragon ball 2 what the heck and then daisuke came riding out like our white knights on 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 their big horse and they or went ah dragon, if you will yeah, that would be a much better analogy. <laughs> Your wish has but, yeah, been granted. And it will also be streaming on uh, in Australia and New Zealand only uh, on Anime Lab because that is a anim- uh, Australia New Zealand only site. It's the um, I think it's owned by Madman, who are the big anime cheesies yeah. down there. So. Well, considering Dan and you go ahead. Considering it's just it's such a big, like I've said before, it's this this franchise has not lost steam ever since like this the series ended. It's just been like gaining more international appeal with these recent releases. So it's just like it, it makes sense that it's just it's such a broad release because there are so many people around the world who just really enjoy this series. It's it's great that they're finally getting an opportunity to kind of catch up on what's been going on with this uh, with this new series. But the weird thing is, because it's been so long, 
sort of assume that maybe it's because there was going it was going to go to TV first or mm-hmm. something. So it it just seems odd that it's taken this long, and then it's just going to streaming. But uh, also, people might be like, "Oh, shame! Funimation haven't got it because they've had all the other Dragon Ball properties. They basically founded their company on Dragon Ball. They really, so. they really sort of did. That was the that was the big uh, series that kind of gave them their uh, first their best foot forward, and just basically used that as a springboard to, you know, get the opportunity to work on uh, and dub other big you know anime series that were coming out at the time and uh, coming." you know, across from Japan, and it just, it's been a, you know, success story, you know, success story ever since, and it's, yeah, you would, you would think that they would make sure to get their hands on that, you know, first and foremost, because it's kind of their baby, but, yeah, it's, uh, it's a bit odd was to what's the, been going on in the back room in terms of what's been, you know, who's in charge of saying, okay, we'll, we'll hold back on releasing this to the internationally, but you know what, that's, that's their deal, and it, even though it took them this long to get there, we're, we're I'm glad that it's happening because now I can actually watch the series uh, officially. And you know, because I've, it's hard to avoid stuff that comes up on you know people will get illegally and put it up on YouTube, and it's like you won't spoil yourself on the whole episode, but the you know, clips clips are occasionally hard you know, to not come by. Well, I th- I think there's kind of like a like a sort of a an admittance the fact that they're starting with the most recent episode that people might have been watching it in other means in other ways not me no, but yeah, some me people like I said, the, it's when <laughs> when short clips of it come up on my youtube cha- like my youtube page i kind of especially like the uh there was one clip that i think i came across where it was like an expansion off the uh i think it was the uh, resurrection of f arc that they had and just have the one scene with uh, Piccolo babysitting uh, Gohan's daughter, daughter Pan. <laughs> like this is what I want. I just want the sitcomy elements oh I've heard God. about. <laughs> if, if if anything that I've seen from like the couple short clips of those like b- those itty bitty moments or anything to go on, it is it's going to be great. It's it's just so freaking cute. There's, I just remember there being something like about like Vegeta taking the kids to theme park or something. He was like, "Yes, Jeremy Zeta's sitcom. This is what I want." <laughs> we've had our we've had our quirky adventure series. We've had our high action sci fi madness. Now we're having all of our characters live out their quirky lives as like a like super powered sitcom, and it's it's, it's fantastic. <laughs> it's like the natural but- evolution of everything. <laughs> But going back to Funimation, um, you may remember that Funimation and Crunchyroll now have a deal, content sharing yes, deal. Yes, I am so, so there was an interesting tweet out of Funimation this week where they shared the fact that they shared the story of Funim- of Dragon Ball being, oh, we have an Yvonne. Yeah, uh, a little bit. Hold on, should I pause the recording? That's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Go. Uh, Going back to the Funimation thing, uh, you might remember that a little while ago, Funimation and uh, Crunchyroll signed a little deal to share content. Yeah, it was... uh, um, Crunchyroll would get the sub stuff and Funimation would have all the dub, I believe is... I believe that was what it was regarding, I think. 
Yep, funny roll, crunchumation, whatever you call it. <laughs> That's that was the big that was the big debate. Is it funny roll or crunchumation? Um Well, uh there was a mysterious tweet from Funimation that was basically saying about the news about Dragon Ball and saying that you know, oh this is good news for subtitled fans. Look out, basically. <laughs> they were like Ah, so why would they be saying that? Indeed. <laughs> if if there wasn't going to be a broadcast dub coming up. No, so. I think it, I think like we like we said it earlier. Given their history with uh, Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z, it's like they can't not. They've they've probably been doing as much as they can in order to try and be able to get the rights in order to do the dub in an official capacity, so it's just like, you know, it's, it's it really has been just a matter of time. It's not like the fact that they weren't going to ever do it, they just, they had, they had to wait for the right conditions to be presented, and now that they're finally getting an official stream uh, internationally, then that gives them plenty of opportunity to jump in and be like, hey, we're still here, we're more than happy to take care of the, take this off your hands. People are attached to the, the characters' voices and stuff of the dub, so... yeah. It'd be a shame if they didn't carry that no, on. Oh yeah, it would. It would. A lot of fans would cry foul. But in the meantime, I think we're just going to take the victories where we can get them and just enjoy being able to watch these episodes officially and just uh, see how the series continues to go from here. Yeah, I'm waiting till they start the series from episode one, <laughs> so I can start <laughs> so watching. You can start it all over. That's that's the best. Yeah, I, I don't want to. I don't want to start in the middle. I don't want to start from episode sixty-three or whatever. I'd be like, what? What <laughs> happened? When did Trunks come back? Anyways, but before we delve any more into that, let's uh, move along with the next uh, news story, which believe is coming out of the BBC. There's a, should be a, a new animated, I believe it's a two-part animation feature, which is uh, going to be coming around this Christmas, I believe. It's a animated adaptation of a uh, Roald Dahl classic called Revolt, The Revolting Rhymes, uh, which is being made by Magic Light Pictures, which is a, uh, I believe it was the same uh, production company responsible for like a bunch of other uh, like with the what's the word I'm looking for? I had a, I had a word and then it just just ran away from me. Uh, they've they've done a couple other animated adaptations. Yes, think of the uh, what's the one that they did? It's kind of sticking. Gruff, the Gruffalo. Gruffalo. Okay, that was the one. I have heard of that one, but I've never seen it. And I've have, have either of you seen anything by the Mag- Magic Light Productions? I think I've I've seen part of the Gruffalo at least. I don't know if I've seen it all the way through. Uh, I know it was nominated for several awards. It might have even been up for an Oscar mm-hmm. uh, for sure. Um, but they are, yeah, they they are a British company that are doing pretty They're well for themselves. Style like stop motion, or is it like uh, is it still uh, is it CG computer generated animation? I believe it's CG, but it does look quite like it could be stop motion. Yeah, it looks like if it's if it's CG, it's very stylized CG. 
from what mm-hmm. I can tell. And, uh, yeah, it looks like it's got, it's going to be coming out this Christmas. I can't say I'm all that familiar. I've read, I mean, I've read a, quite a few, you know, Rodol books growing up, but I don't ever remember reading the, uh, Revolting Rhymes, which I believe is a bunch of, uh, reworked fairy, uh, classic fairy tales of, uh, you know, just from the, from the mind of, uh, Roald Dahl, so, which would be, you know, considering how out there a lot of his stories were, it's, it's, it would make sense, or would be interesting to see how that would be, uh, certain fairy tales would be adapted, you know, through his, uh, through his way of storytelling, so. Sounds like a very, uh, interesting combination. Hmm. I, basically, there's a, a big tradition of having, like, a, like a family animation on at Christmas on the BBC, and it's quite often been an Ardman. Uh, so that's that's where Wallace and Gromit were normally shown. And last year we got a Shaun and the Sheep special, and this year we got Revolting Rhymes. So, hey, did you guys know that Roald Dahl nearly made an animated movie really? with Walt Disney? I actually did not know about that, believe it or not. So, which, uh, did they know, like, which which movie was it, or which story was it? Well, he wrote a story called The Gremlins. It was, um, it was around, it was, I think it was before, it was, I think it was before America was in the mm-hmm. war, but it was around, around wartime, because the story was about, um, gremlins getting in the, um, in the planes of the British, um, the Royal mm-hmm. Air Force. As they were fighting the Bosch, <laughs> fighting the Nazis. I'm sorry when I when I hear when I hear the word Gremlins in movie, I normally my mind goes to one. Oh yeah, and... of course, <laughs> of course. But these these came first. Oh no, yeah, I'm just like these these um, technically would have come first, and part of me wonders like what that what would have been different about that other movie that has Gremlins in it. If that uh, that Roald Dahl animated film had with Disney would have come out first, it's like that would have been a very different world. Because uh, it ended up being, he ended up writing a book about it. Mm-hmm. So I think, which like it's been republished fairly recently. Ah, I think. So. Cool. Did you guys? But that was an interesting little yeah. bit of history. Did you Did you guys know that this was also a musical? Revolting Rhymes and Dirty Beasts. I did not know that. I did not know that either. I did not know that. But a lot of Roald Dahl stuff has been adapted into musical, like Matilda and uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and... uh, uh, What was the other one? James... James, Oh, James and Giant Peach, yeah. With the... Is that being a play? Yeah. Yeah, it's been a, both a uh, play and the uh, there was also the stop motion film. Actually, I just remembered that's been going on for quite a long time, put turning them into plays because I actually saw. I think George's Marvelous Medicine. I think I went to a play of when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, those, those yeah a lot of a lot of Roald Dahl classics have been adapted to stage and. Mm. Most of them have been very good. It wasn't a musical, I don't think. Yeah. I'd completely forgotten about that. <laughs> <laughs> I remember. Well, even if it wasn't a musical to begin with, certain adaptations have tried to take the musical route. 
because I, I'm very, I very well remember back when I was uh, living in London the first time I ever saw the uh, that live action stop motion uh, James and the Giant Peach movie that came out way back when, mm-hmm. and uh, they had quite a few musical uh, sections in that where I'm pretty sure there were none before. <laughs> mm-hmm. And also a cameo of Jack Skellington. <laughs> Which was really funny. But, um, yeah, so uh, keep an eye out for the animated adaptation for Revolting Rhymes uh, on BBC for this Christmas, if you're interested in checking that out. And one last bit of news, I wanted to just, something that just came up recently or was recently announced that we just thought might be fun to talk about is the fact that another bit of uh, early release information regarding... Ardman's uh, early man film, which was it's already in production, is uh, they have announced one of the uh, casting choices for one of the characters, the uh, primary antagonist, as it were, uh, which is going to be played by the one and only Tom Hiddleston. I love that man. (laughs) He's a great actor, but I can't help but wonder if the fact that he's being put as the antagonist is a bit typecasting. From certain roles he may have done in the past. I can't imagine what I you know, mean. I know, right? It just completely came out of left field. Because I remember the first movie I ever saw him in, if and, and uh, before Avengers and or the Thor and Avengers came out, was uh, Warhorse, and he was a really nice guy in that movie. His <laughs> character got unfortunately killed off, but still. It was just like several minutes. It's like, oh, this guy's really awesome. And the next time I see him in a movie, he's a bad guy. <laughs> and that's the role that everyone remembers him for. But he's really good oh, no, at it. He's, he's, a, he's, he's the kind of like a, he's deliciously evil. He can play deliciously evil <laughs> characters. It's awesome. So, uh,. Yeah, I don't believe they've, they've dropped the name of the character that he's playing, but uh, they've all they've, they've stated is the fact that he is going to be pr- playing the primary antagonist. So uh, that should be interesting to see as uh, more information of the film comes out and when we eventually do get trailers and probably get to hear his voice come out of the character and just like, oh, there he is! <laughs> so they've already got Eddie Redmayne and, and um, Tom Hiddleston, so... Quite a cast I already. Know, we just, we've only got two names so far. So this is uh this is gonna prove to be a very interesting film indeed. Yeah, we'll see who comes next. Judy Dench or something. You know what? That'd be really freaking sweet. There's <laughs> like all these I don't I don't think she's done an album film yet, so yeah. I don't think she's done an animated film. It's time it's time. She's no, due. yeah, she's 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 long, she's long overdue for to do a voice role. It's like it's almost any actor nowadays. So it's like okay, like, hey, if you just at least do get uh, participate in one animated film, you can just kind of put that in your you know career cap and just you know say like, hey, I did this. It's like you're not you know, considered a really like well-rounded actor if you can't do all of these things. Though you can. Somebody get on it. Judy Dench, animated film. There you go. Ardman, how you can have that? You can they, have that they, on us. They, if anyone can do it, they can. Mm-hmm. 
But yeah, I think, unless anyone else has got anything else to add, I think that might uh, do us for news this week. Cool. So I guess we should probably just go right into the main topic then, which is uh, the magic little video game company that is uh, Nintendo. And how that's basically their kind of world is kind of changing for them since uh, they've recently announced the Nintendo Switch, which looks to be a interesting combination of, you know, basically what has been going on with the Wii U and the uh, 3DS. Basically, you, you take it, you play it on the television set, but in, if you need to head out somewhere to hang out with some folks or just get from one place to the other, you can actually just pick up the little... Uh, little part of the console and just take it with you and play it while you travel so it's uh really looks like it's going to be the best of both worlds in terms of just not being able to just play on you know regular television but also just you know portable gaming and i think it's probably like the first instance of ever of those two kind of things ever being combined before which should uh lead to a lot of interesting uh gaming opportunities if uh you know, previous Nintendo titles have taught us anything, but whether or not that's going to lead to a lot of, you know, just more original titles exclusively for this, or if it's just going to be, um, or if they're actually going to try and get games that are from outside studios, or studios outside their own. But who can really say at this point? But that's actually one of the things that's made Nintendo, as a company, so special, because of the fact that, you know, they've... They, they can be a bit notoriously stubborn for not, you know, just only making stuff just from their, like, select group of studios. But at the same time, it's allowed for a lot of really interesting things to come out from, you know, just, you know, between Mario, Legend of Zelda, a lot of their main flagship stuff. But also really a lot of, like, little uh, niche games that have just kind of really kind of, like, knocked everyone's socks off. And also in terms of artistic style, too, which is kind of what we'll be focusing on today. So, uh, I'm trying to, I was going to lead into something with air. I had a point <laughs> that I was going to pass off to somebody, and then I lost it. Well, I, I, I could just, Damn it. I could just have a little freak out about the <laughs> Switch, just because. <laughs> yes, because you've been wanting to do that. So, Chris, you have the floor. I was that excited. <laughs> it's just. <laughs> It's a special day. It's a special day when a new Nintendo console gets unveiled. You know, there mm-hmm. there aren't many days that's happened in my life. It's it's a special day. <laughs> um, yeah, it's. I, there's been lots of rumours about NX that's it been called for ages, and they seem pretty much on the money this time because that's what. <laughs> The rumors whether it was going to be this hybrid channel, this hybrid thing, and a couple of days ago there was a rumor saying, "Oh, it's going to be called Nintendo Duo." Definitely, definitely going to be called Nintendo Duo, <laughs> and then no, it's not. <laughs> but it's called Nintendo Switch, which is good name. It is a very, it's a very catchy, catchy uh, name. So it's at least a lot better than the. Uh, not that the consoles themselves weren't great, but the just the Wii and the Wii U, which is like those mm-hmm. are. A little odd sounding, to be fair. Well, everyone made fun of it because it sounds like we, ha ha, ha yes. ha ha. But um, but, yeah, every everyone's made the joke. But um, yeah, the the video is just pretty genius, really. It just shows you the concept. There's the guy playing Zelda, and his dog wants to go out for a walk. 
So he takes takes the um, screen out and clicks it in or whatever you do. And he goes and he carries on playing <laughs> exactly. Zelda and ignores his dog. It's like, oh no, we might have another case of Pokemon Go on our hands where people are just always looking at the screens and not looking where they're going <laughs> while they're out and about with their video games. And it, it's like, gotta be, gotta be careful with that. And they do, yeah. And you could just take it out while you're, you're, um, you're talking to strange women in airports, <laughs> or playing basketball games, or hanging around with your, your photogenic friends in your giant <laughs> New York apartment, who call, call to you from across the street while you're playing. Or if you're getting ready for a big video game tournament. Smash tournament, it looked like. Well, you're playing Mario, and then they call you, and you're like, "Oh, good, go over there now." So I'm going to take the, <laughs> going to take Mario with me. Yeah, and to be honest, though, I'm just whatever Nintendo do, I I just want the Nintendo games. People are always like, "Oh, they're going to be third party games on it." I I, I don't care. <laughs> I just want to play the new <laughs> Nintendo games because. They're just the best. <laughs> just, they just yeah, they have an in- interesting model for um, video game development, uh, which kind of sets them apart from every other kind of like video game, like big video game company out there. Like you know, a lot of from what I understand, a lot of companies kind of just get a general idea of what they want their games to be about, and then they kind of just base the gameplay off that. Whereas uh, Nintendo, for a long time, have basically have the idea where it's like okay we'll come up with the concept for the gameplay first and then we'll just kind of add everything else like the story characters and you know setting style all that comes afterward which in hindsight has given them the opportunity to really like when it comes to the actual gameplay and the animation that's involved in that getting that down pat that's actually a really like smart way to go about it. i mean granted not every single concept of gameplay that they've ever come up with has always taken off, but it's created the a long you know a lot of those games that they've come out with like you know Mario, Legend of Zelda like those those games have lasted for several decades because they've just been the, because the concept of the gameplay that makes those games special has just worked and looked great you know no matter what installment you got. Well, it's interesting because so many other games like try and imitate movies these days mm-hmm. and all the influences seem to be movies and stuff and it's 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 a different approach and you know they both approaches are work can work but mm-hmm. it depends on what kind of game you're looking for really i mean if you if you want to play like an interactive movie then you know you had to have games that'll satisfy that. It, but if you just want to play like a more traditional like video game experience, then you've got a slew of Nintendo games that are exactly what you're right. looking for. And, then, and um, one of my favorites is Dance Dance Revolution Hottest Party. Exactly. For the times you just want to dance. Never, never get yeah, yeah dance hottest party. <laughs> Plus, it's fun to say. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. But yeah, I think I, I brought this up. I was able to bring this up uh, last uh, episode when I made a 
quick aside to the a video game that I uh, Nintendo video game that I just recently had the opportunity to play, and I also had a review up of it on the website right now. If you want to check it out of uh, the most recent Paper Mario game, and how I think that's that's another good example of like you know they have the concept of the game first, and then they basically just develop the rest of it off you know that idea of you know you take an entire character and environment that's based off paper the concept and uh like texture of paper it's like okay how can we use like paper themed like game mechanics in order to help people go from point a to point b like um i remember in one of the earlier paper mario games like there was actually a mechanic where you can take paper mario and then you can fold him into a little paper airplane and he just then you have to kind of fly him across like a chasm or whatever and it's like you know that was really clever (laughs) And that was really a lot of fun to just, just like, oh, can I make it all the way? No, I, I can't. Gotta start over again. <laughs> but it's just like, there's ideas like that, and um, also with games like uh, Kirby's Epic Yarn or Yoshi's Woolly World, where you've got entire levels and uh, concepts for gameplay just based around the fact that the entire design is on, like, you know, say if it was, it was made, if the entire world was made of yarn. Like I guarantee you will not find any other kind of video game like that out there. That's 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 just like exclusively Nintendo's thing. I, I I just love the way that game looks, the with all the wool. It looks so cute, and it just looks like the whole game's knitted. And it is. Yeah. And like I said, the um the animation is the fact that that always impressed me with those. Not just the just the style of it, but how the um the yarn and fabric that you see really behaves like yarn and fabric. I mean, if they were more like a typical games company, they would have just put out sequel after sequel of Mario and Zelda and everything, which, you know, people would say, well, they do do that, yeah, but they don't just, they don't just, um, you know, do more of the same. When Whenever there's like a, a new Mario franchise or a new Zelda franchise, whatever, it's it's like a reinvention yeah, that, that's that's a good point, but yeah, because it's um, I know especially with like Nintendo, um, the Legend of Zelda series, like one of the interesting things with uh, that particular uh, series of video games that is very much like having a fairy tale told, you know, with you know three central characters. You know, you almost always have Link, Zelda, and Ganon, Ganondorf, what have you, and then even though they're supposedly supposed to be this long, complicated continuity connecting them all according to uh Nintendo but um really for the longest time I always thought it was just like oh it's just it's like the reimagining of a fairy tale you just have you you have three central characters that are always in every single rendition of the same story of that story but just the story is told differently every time yeah and the, you, the same could be said for Mario in a way too mhm cuz now he's in space and then now he's not in space again he's in... now he's made of paper yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh, just I'm just I'm just having flashbacks of Mario Galaxy and how much I love those games. Oh, just running running around on those little planets, so much fun. <laughs> I just remember cha- where we are chasing a rabbit around the little planet. <laughs> it's so much fun. <laughs> yeah, that was the the way that that game uh, messed with like. Uh, gravity mechanics was really clever of you know not you can you know it's like you said running around on a you know small spherical planet 
kind of like um, a la like the little prince and his mm. asteroid, just kind of running around. And then you could literally jump and fly and travel between from one little planet to another to the next, and it was each one was different. Yeah, that was that was out of as far as modern Mario games go, the Galaxy Mario Galaxy games were uh, definitely a standout above the rest. I'm trying to think if there's like I know I was going to bring up another particular uh, video game series that they've done, but it's like it's it's always because there's a whole bunch of different ones. I think that's maybe it was the um, Smash Brothers because I think that was one of, like the the. Because in terms of, like, fighting games, there's always, like, you know, a wide roster. But I think there was, that was, like, Super Smash Brothers was, like, one of the very first games that just had, like, a whole bunch of different characters just from different game series all together. Mm-hmm. Just kind of mashed up in one in one game. And how that's kind of caught on to the point where even ca- other characters from other game uh, franchises and companies are actually making their way in. Like, I know most of it's all Nintendo characters for Smash Brothers, but it's, like, you've got, like, one of the most recent additions. Uh, they were able to include, like, Mega Man in there. It's... And Pac-Man. And Sonic, obviously, and... And Sonic, yes. Uh... So it's just, it's really interesting how it's, like, Nintendo, at least with this particular franchise, is just, like, the whole... Like, this is, like, the melting pot of all, like, these really iconic video game characters. So, I gotta wonder, in terms of, uh, like, with this new platform, if, uh, what kind of, what that's gonna mean for Nintendo games in the future, because I believe, I think you said off-air, Chris, that unlike the, um, Wii U and some of their previous, like, big consoles for Nintendo, that they're actually gonna be moving away from discs and actually gonna be going for more, like, the 3DS, uh, cartridges. Mm Mm-hmm. For their video games. Which seems like a really weird thing to do. But then when you when you think about how how much uh space and information you can fit into like a micro S D card or whatever, then they can pack they could they could probably, you know, pack a normal sized game into a cartridge and also well it's not cartridge but game card, whatever. Um Mm-hmm. And I'd you'd probably think that during the lifetime of the console, they might, you know, technology might advance further and they'd be able to fit more in, like they because they used to do that with like cartridges on old consoles, mm-hmm. like when they were in like the last few years of their life or whatever, they'd be they managed to get cartridges that had more space on them or whatever, so that they could get games that were more impressive. So. Or bigger, at least. Yeah. But I don't know that there's anything about the console itself that will particularly um, affect the games that are on it. You know, not in the same way that the Wii and the Wii U were designed to. Mm-hmm. Apart from, yeah. one thing is that it puts like multi multiplayer games... Local, you know, with people in the same room. Back, back in the play, I think, because it's everyone's. Yeah. It's going to online now, playing against people across the world or whatever. But this is saying, hey, <laughs> you know, this this has got enough 
out of the box to play with two people because you You know what I I actually miss that about video games Mm -hmm. before the whole online you know battling friends online became a thing that's I have to I have to ask whatever happened to just having inviting friends over and to your place and just like hey let's just play a multiplayer game and just have have a ball yeah, it is. Instead of just chatting each other online through microphones. It's not nearly as fun when you can't beat someone and then turn around to their face and go, ah <laughs> in person. <laughs> this is true. This is very true. Not that it ever happens, but... Well, be, you know. Be the ha that. But that's not the point. <laughs> uh, but that's something that's big about this trailer is people getting together and playing the games, which is... Which is good, and I also think that's a Nintendo thing. I think it really is compared to some of the other uh, big video game companies. That is, it's, it's like togetherness and just like you know having having a good time. That's always been kind of like their big their their end goal with you know whatever games and systems that they make has been been kind of like geared toward that idea, which is. In, which is in love with a lot of, like you said, with the all online playing and uh, just it's it's kind of refreshing to always have that in the back of your head. Just like, oh, well, if I ever get the desire to, you know, play games like that, then I always know that there's a, a group of people that make video games that have got me covered. <laughs> Some people have said that it's weird that there's no kids in the trailer, but uh, are they uh, are they not going after children anymore? <laughs> So that's hilarious. But um, I they're all just really, really, really attractive grown-ups all playing on this uh, on this console in that trailer. Yeah, that was that was I, that was interesting. But it, it this is just the first trailer for a start, and the the games are still a... maybe it's just the one <laughs> maybe it's just the one that you're seeing as uh, attractive uh, young adults. <laughs> <laughs> That is fair. That is a fair point. You're the target uh, market. (laughs) Those of of us who grew up with Super Nintendos and Nintendo 64s and all that, that that might be their first market that they're reaching out for. Right. Makes sense. I don't know. It's just like it's a lot of, I mean, it's not just with the Nintendo Switch, but a lot of the marketing for, uh, you know, recent Nintendo releases have been actually like really, really effective. Like, um, I remember with, uh, like, a lot of the uh, big uh, promotion that's been coming out for the uh, soon-to-be-released um, Pokemon uh, Sun and Moon video game that Nintendo's been pushing. Um, they've been... A lot of, like, the advertisements that they've been putting out for um, the both of those games have been really strong. I mean, part, part of the reason is because this is, like, the big year anniversary for the series which i that i understand but uh it's but still it's just it's whoever they've got in charge of that has been doing a bang-up job because i think there's this one trailer that i swear to gosh got me it, it got me teary-eyed <laughs> it was um i i, I might I'll, i might include it in the show notes but it's uh it's a trailer where a, a kid from japan has moved to hawaii and he's not sure about fitting it you know he is worried about trying to socialize with other kids because he doesn't know the language, you know, he doesn't know how to speak the language all 100% yet. 
but he's really excited about Pokemon, so he goes and gets the latest game, and then he sees a whole bunch of the kids that he was, you know, wanting to go up and talk to. Um, they're all playing it as well, and so he finally works up the courage to go over and talk to them. And, uh, you know, you know, he says, you know, Pokemon, and they're like, oh yeah, come over and play! And they start, you know, hanging out and playing it together. It's really sweet. <laughs> this, this is the thing about Nintendo, is there's no other games company that quite gets the nostalgia in me i mean i you know i i do i have been playing playstation for a long time as well so there were certain playstation franchises that uh, like prapper the rapper (laughs) oh man now there's a blast from the past and uh, like the tomb raider games and metal gear solid and resident evil stuff that i you know i loved like as a teenager or whatever but there's something Mm -hmm. about nintendo games that like you just hear a bit of the Mario music or something, and you're just like, oh, I'm back there. I won't go through the whole song, but you, you could, because it's one of those kind of, like, it's one of those, like, pieces of video game music that almost everyone knows. It's like, um, and you, you can understand why, I mean, you went to a Zelda concert, didn't you? I have <laughs> been to a Zelda concert twice now twice. i went to uh w- yeah uh, first in baltimore and then um and one happened i think it was the pre- uh, two it was that it was last year i think um it happened at uh philadelphia yeah but yeah i've, I've gone to that concert twice because it's it's so well put together i mean yeah like the the, the nostalgia factor for people who've grown up with games in their life is is as as much you know a bigger part of growing up and stuff as films and books and tv and whatever and animation or whatever and i think you know people who didn't grow up with that it's harder for them to understand they're like it's just just games or whatever but no you don't understand you weren't there (laughs) you just these characters that's one of the biggest things i mean a lot of, you know, gaming companies, like, have their mascots and, you know, are, are, like, iconic characters that, you know, people, like, even people who don't play video games can kind of, like, pick out. It's like, oh, I kind of know who that is. I don't think any video game company has a greater, yeah, you know, number of characters that people, like I said, who don't even play video games all that often could be able to recognize. I mean, there's Mario, there's Kirby, there's Link from The Legend of Zelda, there's uh, Samus from Metroid, and just I, um, Captain Falcon from, you know, F-Zero racing games. It's just like, the list goes Donkey on. Donkey Kong! There's a lot of these... Donkey Kong? Yeah, I mean, like, it's, like I said, just, they've got, just have so many characters that just have, like, this great charm to them. Great designs, great charm, and... You know, in every, almost every single game they're in, and just people can just you know can see a outline of these characters and just immediately know I know who that is, yeah. or I know who that's supposed to be. Yeah. There's a bit of a connection to animation in that the reason I got my very first Nintendo console, my mm-hmm. first, the first oh. thing I, the first game system I ever owned on my own, rather than shared it with my sisters or whatever, was <laughs> I nice. I got it. Because there was a game, not game, there was a thing called Mario Paint on the Super Nintendo. Oh, right. And it came with a mouse and you could paint and you could do simple animation. 
and you could do uh, music and stuff. And that's how I made my first ever animations. Really? Oh, yeah, when I was so like cool. 10 or 11 on Mario Paint. That was my my entry point. And obviously, I then played Mario World a lot. All the other Nintendo games. And all, all the cartoon licenses of the time, like like the Adams Family cartoon one, I had that. And Very Tiny cool. Toon Adventures game, things like that. So, yeah, and I miss. Of... I... Go ahead, finish, finish your thought. I didn't. Sorry. I never, I never had a Nintendo sixty four. You didn't. I, did I defected. I, I went either. to PlayStation. Well, to be I'm fair, sorry. I mean, no, no, it's okay. It's alright. I mean, both of those, uh, the the purpose of those consoles really were was just to, uh, uh, basically, that was around the time that they were transitioning from two dimensional graphics into the realm of three dimensions which had a lot of a lot of people remember as like one of like the like you know have really fond memories of the games that came out in that particular era like um that was the year of uh mario 64 which was the first really big you know three-dimensional mario game there was legend of zelda ocarina of time which was basically the next next step for that franchise and um it was it was a big deal that was a big transition for a lot of those different like ideas like okay how do we take something these these ideas for games that we've made in the past and try to bring them in the realm of three-dimensional you know gameplay and animation and well you can look back on some of those games and you know you can definitely see like you know how old it is in terms of you know compared to um, games that are made today a lot of the, like the building blocks for a lot of stuff that would you know would come out of Nintendo and even PlayStation you know, later on, got its start there. Yeah, and I feel like a bad Nintendo fan because I never played any of those games. I feel I missed out Well, that generation. With a lot of but... those games, um, especially as far as Nintendo's concerned, they, you know, because they acknowledge the fact that those games left an impact on so many people, um, when 3DS came out, they made an effort to uh, re-release a lot of those classic games onto the uh, 3DS for like um like say like a, um, basically all the games that I kind of just mentioned um they that was Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time um Mario 64 and then there was also you know um what else was there the uh Star Fox 64 which is really kind of funny because I know a lot of people were really hoping that um the uh after because that was that was the remake that they recently did and then for the Wii U they had a big the big Star Fox game coming out for the Wii U and people were really looking forward to that and then a lot of people say like after playing it that it was basically kind of just uh Star Fox 64 all over again just with a different uh just with just with a fresh coat of paint for the Wii U mm. But yeah, it's, it's it's interesting that they're that kind of self-aware. It's like, oh, we know people really like these, and they might not have these consoles anymore that they originally came out for. So we're gonna try and remake them, and even like do if in the case of uh, uh, Legend of Zelda video games for both uh, Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask, they really did give that uh, they redesigned the character models to fit the to fit the new uh, console that they were supposed to be for. So which was really neat because they didn't have to go. And redesigned the game from the ground up, but they did. To be honest, all I really know about Ocarina of Time is that there's a great 
there's a great parody, well, a video on YouTube um, by a guy called Brental Floss. Uh, oh yes, singing, <laughs> singing, adding lyrics to it, but doing that, doing a um, kind of a battle with another, another YouTube singer, yeah, about Ocarina of Time. No, yeah, there's uh, no, yeah, Brental Floss. I will <laughs> go ahead and say that, you know, get this plug right out of the way. Brental Floss is really his 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 video content is really awesome and great lyricist with all his uh video game music parodies so if you haven't checked out his stuff then i by all means go check it out right now because it's really great but no yeah i, I did see that video that you're mentioning where he's kind of like talking about like oh ocarina of time was great and he's like no it wasn't it wasn't really that good at all not as much as people not as people remember it to be and to be fair he does have a point but i don't know it's 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 a lot of it's nostalgia i think and how basically that was the kickstart for a lot of cool stuff that they did with the uh, Legend of Zelda series later down the line, but uh, that is that is up for debate. For, for That's that's for the fandom to debate, really. But, yeah, with New Zelda. New Zelda. No, yeah, New Zelda looks really, really good. I know we already, we've already talked about this in our, uh, our E3, E3 coverage uh, podcast episode, but it was, it looks spectacular. Not and not just with uh, the whole gameplay, but with the, just the general look of it as well. And I guess, but the, the question's going to be whether if you're a Wii U Wii U owner, or you're like, do you buy it Wii U or do you wait for the Switch? Yeah, that's that's the big that's the big question, isn't it? Because they've uh, they've made the announcement now, so people are already going to be planning ahead to try and get it. But then they've also if I remember correctly, are are releasing a new DS. A new form of the DS, which is just like... I think that's already come out, I think. Is it, hasn't it? Okay. The the new DS. I I can't even remember when it came out, but it's been out a little while. Mm Mm-hmm. But um, there's only a handful of games that only work on that. Yeah. Including the... uh, I think they did that Zelda... Hyrule Warriors or whatever it is, like the Dynasty Warriors with yeah, Zelda characters. Yes, yeah, that that's supposed that. to work on that. And Zeno, Xenoblade, Xenoblade or whatever it is, I think. Yeah, the Chronicles. one big infamous uh, Japanese RPG that came out for uh, the Wii. I think that is on new 3DS only as well, but that's about it. And they haven't they haven't been doing lots of big 3DS games. And it's obvious that they're probably... And they haven't been doing that many Wii U games. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I think like the last really big one was like Mario Maker or... Yeah, like. the big uh, create-your-own-Mario-level video game. I mean, that's another genius Mario... I, I mean, Nintendo idea. Yep, it's just like, oh, let's give uh, our fans the ability to make their own... Mario levels and just have fun with that and share them with friends and just it's another aspect of the company that I really love is just the fact that they're just like I said they take ideas for concepts of game of gameplay and then just kind of just let the creativity of those ideas just kind of run wild I think there's suggestion that most of the big Wii U games are, are going to get like re-released enhanced versions on the Switch because mm-hmm. That would be Cause not many, 
because not many people bought the Wii U. Uh, so, which is a shame mm-hmm. in my mind. But, is it? but in the trailer, there's someone playing Mario Kart. I mean, whether it's Mario Kart 8 or whether there's going to be a new Switch one. And there's someone playing Splatoon. And they're Wii U, Wii U games. Yes, they certainly are. And I also, if I recall correctly, um, if from this trailer for the Switch, I also saw someone playing Skyrim, which last I checked was Ooh. a exclusive for, like, the Xbox. Or, like, the well, PlayStation. Yeah. Yeah, I think people have been saying that. I didn't recognise it because I didn't, I haven't played it, so I didn't know that's what it was. But I heard mm-hmm. people say that, and then people went to, um, went to, is it Bethesda who make it? Yeah, Bethesda. And they went, ah, oh, we can't confirm anything, <laughs> uh, which is weird because obviously if it's in the trailer, uh, but Nintendo yeah, so probably said. If you're putting that trailer together, you have to have permission of what kind of game footage you're going to be showing off in said trailer. And you have to, if you're going to go to Bethesda and say, hey, we want to use, you know, footage from your game. You, they have, you have to have their consent on whether or not you're going to have it. And so them going out and saying, oh, we can't confirm or deny that we're including, you know, our game in the, our remastered Skyrim in the lineup of the Nintendo Switch. It's kind of, it's a bit of, you know... I'm not sure mm-hmm. what I can but it's been a bull. <laughs> they must have a, they must uh, probably under some sort of NDA from Nintendo. Like, don't tell anybody. But, <laughs> but everyone knows because it's in the advert. Shush, shush. Because <laughs> <laughs> the only only confirmed game at the moment is Zelda. Because yeah. But obviously, there's other games in the trailer. There's a Mario game where it looks like he's in. Mexico or something. <laughs> <laughs> That's the new game, Mario in Mexico. Uh, That'd be a very interesting location for a Mario game, if you ask me. That would, that would be a, a, a slightly strange sidestep. Like, normally, <laughs> Mushroom Kingdom, this time, Mexico. <laughs> or, <a> holiday. <laughs> or, or Mexico-themed Mushroom Kingdom, because uh, it's Mushroom Kingdom from the, the Mario games of shows is a fairly big place. There are a lot of different parts to it. They could just be just in a different part of it. Uh, just, it's, yeah, I'm sure it's just a themed level of some sort, but <laughs> people did, did point out that's what it looks like. Um, <laughs> just... That's the reason to be excited. Another Mario game because the um, the 3D world one is so much fun, and just from an animation perspective, to bring it to that, it's got so much character. All it. it's just like playing the best interactive cartoon ever. <laughs> I was actually going to make that point is the fact that that's another one of the major reasons that you know the Nintendo games have, like you said, that charm that they do is because whenever you play one, like say Mario or you know uh, Donkey Kong and something like that. It is like playing an interactive cartoon because they just have that kind of, like you said, they have that style to them and uh, also a really good sense of humor. Like, the game that I was just playing recently with Paper Mario, I don't think... I have laughed that much while playing a video game in a long (laughs) time. And I mean, there are plenty of games where you play that, you know, they have like one or two really humorous quips and it's just like, oh, haha, that's funny just kind of like and then you just continue playing the game but with this one i was laughing constantly which 
I don't think I've done, like I said, I haven't done it in a long, long time or found a game that just kind of tickled my funny bone into that level. And it's just because the writing was so clever. So it's just like that's another thing that kind of sets Nintendo games apart. It's like it's, it's really got that, yeah, really good sense of humor about it, which really just kind of makes it, you know, like I said, you're playing, a, you're like you're playing a Saturday morning cartoon. Hopefully better than the actual Saturday morning cartoons that were based on a lot of Nintendo properties back in the day. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> the Super Mario Super Show. <laughs> yeah. With with the live action bits, like, what What are you doing? <laughs> and Those of course, now. Special. And there was, of course, Captain N, the Games Master, or whatever the it was called. Game Master. And then the actual Legend of Zelda cartoon show where Link. I never saw that. Be glad you didn't. <laughs> be really glad you did Yvonne have you did you ever watch any of this no no honestly I I uh yeah I mean my really my um Nintendo sort of experience is really just just the weird <laughs> <laughs> I know it's no, crazy it's but um that was but that I mean really that's the extent of it and it was um mostly like Dance Dance Revolution Hottest Party and um <laughs> and sports games. Oh sports yeah, games. and like the Wii um, Fit. But yeah, yeah, I tend to sort of gravitate towards the more um sort of linear narrative mm-hmm. <laughs> um kind of games, and and I'm more of a PC gamer. Um, that said, I've also had an Xbox and uh, Xbox 360 and uh and. I have a PS4, Very good. <laughs> but yeah, for for uh, but yeah, mostly uh, and then of course the HTC Vive thing. But um, yeah, I'm more of a PC gamer. But I did enjoy the Wii, and and I always, I mean, there were things that I sort of wish that it it had done. Um, but um, and I I really, I I also really like the idea of being able to sort of play games with friends in the same room, mm-hmm. and um, I've always kind of enjoyed iterations of that. There was like a really interesting i just remember when i first saw that um i i never bought any sort of portable console um at, at all um i mean excluding mm-hmm. my phone <laughs> but um but i just i really i re- i was really awed by that the idea of that like racing you know cars or whatever like with people mm-hmm. in the same room or infecting them with viruses <laughs> wasn't it there was like a zombie game or something i remember infected i think uh, it was called right, yeah. um yeah <laughs> but um but yeah yeah it's good stuff though but they're good looking games that's for sure and definitely high quality um uh, yeah but but mainly, for whatever reason, I just sort of gravitate towards uh, towards uh, sort of linear. Yeah, it's, it's it's I I will I will give you that. That in terms of like completely linear storytelling, that um, Nintendo games do not tend to gravitate toward those because, like I said, they they take their design point from the gameplay style and the gameplay first. Yeah. So then, then yeah, they the basically games. plan everything. They they plan everything else around that. So. Chances are, if you're yeah. gonna play a, um, yeah. aside from a few, aside from a few exceptions, like um, Legend of Zelda, that I would say, as far as linear stories, they are probably like the closest yes. to matching, like you know, having a good like linear progression of events. And same with um, Metroid to a certain extent. Like some of the later Metroid games also kind of have a fairly, fairly decent uh, linear progression. 
But yeah, most of other, like Mario and um, Kirby, especially Kirby, uh, there really is not much of a narrative, you know, you're not going to find a really deep moving narrative story from those games. I mean, the only like happy exceptions, at least in terms of Mario, for me, have been, like I said, the very early Paper Mario games. They actually were able to take a lot of neat twists and turns on the narrative of, you know, Princess Peach gets captured, Mario has to go save her, stop, you know, the evil King Bow- you know, Bowser. There, so there's a there there there's some certain twists that have been taken on that, and like I said, the the sense of humor is almost always there. So it's more like like I said, playing a Saturday morning cartoon than and you know, at the same time as playing a video game. But yeah, you're not gonna get anything like really deep emotional like conflict between the characters or character growth from some from a game like that. Yeah. Although, I mean, I do have to say, I, I really enjoy it when there are mini games, mm-hmm. you know, in the sort of narrative games. And I know that those are, are, you know, if not directly taken from, but sort of um, integrated from uh, some of the stuff that Nintendo's done. Like, um, you know, I, I, I really, I enjoy that. I think it really adds to it. Um, I, I love the idea of... Uh, well, or like for instance, like something like Indigo Prophecy, uh, right? yes. where, where you have, you know, you'd have like mini games in there to sort of like, what would be one? Like someone, like a child falls into, um, into the water, or, or something like that happens, and you have to like, do you save the child? And like, okay, I'm gonna save the child, and then suddenly you have this like little mm-hmm. mini game that you have to solve in order to um, follow through and, and um, complete the what you've decided yeah. to do and um it adds really adds an element of suspense and um and uh anxiety <laughs> <laughs> really <laughs> to the to the game and makes it way more interactive yeah those so are cool well it's interesting that rachel that you say about the plots basically being well they're, they're basically they're all they need to be they're just very basic plot like, oh preacher's peach is being kidnapped off you go, basically. Mm-hmm. Or and Link has whatever. to go on a quest to stop whatever evil is, you know, attacking the land of Hyrule at that given day. But, like, in fairly recent times, I don't know if it's this year or last year, it was announced that Nintendo are going to be uh, planning and being involved in producing animated movies based on the characters. Ah, and, right. And I it may... talked about that before. And it makes you think, uh, I hope, you know, it make what you just said made me think there isn't that much plot to a lot of them. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. Yeah, I mean, that's having a simple premise and story is it can be just as much if it can be a drawback and a blessing at the same time. It depends because if you try to add a lot of complex, you know, complicated elements to a specific story that may have started off as simple if you just throw stuff in there just for the sake of making it complicated it's not gonna work it's gonna it's gonna clash with the original idea that the you know the story and the characters were supposed to be set out to do but it it really depends on how you can like add little twists to the narrative that's why i said with with what little twists certain games have taken within uh, storytelling, like some stuff that's happened in some of the previous Legend of Zelda games, uh, Metroid and uh, uh, Mario, like that kind of like expand on the world that these games are set in. 
that's been great. That's really been able to offer, you know, offer up a lot of really neat opportunities to maybe just, you know, give these characters that have, you know, normally seem to, like, go go through this daily grind. It gives them a new experience that you could have them potentially grow from. It just really depends on what kind of, you know, scenario you're going to throw them into. But, um, yes, and there's just... also... Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Hmm. So we just have to see what what they do with it. <laughs> if it happens. But... Yeah. I'll be be interesting, because... Those characters got a special place in our hearts, so mm-hmm. we shall see if they can do them justice. And we Indeed. hope so. I, I certainly hope so, because I know they've uh, a lot of people have been clamoring for adaptations. I know for at least for Legend of Zelda, they have been clamoring for a film or uh, adaptation of that particular video game series. So we shall see how that uh, how that all pans out. <laughs> But there was one, uh, before we moved on, I, there was actually one uh, video game series I wanted to bring up. I don't know why it just jumped out of my head, so now I need to, now I need to, intru- I need to <laughs> go back to the trusty old internet, and uh, it was about um, this really kind of, I want to say raunchy was the word, but he was like this guy who uh, got basically tricked into becoming the uh, member of this assassin group and then basically you kind of have to go through like each, each level oh. area is no themed after going after these assassins no more heroes no more was it no more heroes or was like, it... that's the name I, 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 that keeps coming to me i think it's or it's the one before that no it is no more heroes okay that i was thinking of the right one pseudo yeah. 51's game yeah, Travis, the main main uh, characters, <laughs> Travis Touchdown. Mm-hmm. That was that was one I of the is. that was one of the games that came out for the um, nin- Nintendo. Uh, that was um, I think it was the Grasshopper. Yeah, uh, manufacturer was the one who uh, mainly developed that in Ubisoft with it, but um, Nintendo actually released that for the Wii. That was that was an interesting game, <laughs> to say the least. Mm-hmm. That was. Definitely kind of broke the whole, you know, family-friendly formula that Nintendo is normally known for. But it's just like, oh no, hey, we've got this, like, really crazy otaku guy who just kind of becomes an assassin. And you have to basically help him go through uh, killing all the other assassins in this organization. That one was more like an interactive anime. (laughs) Yeah, it was. It was like, um, it was kind of like Nintendo meets Kill Bill kind of mm. thing just with a male protagonist <laughs> who was just and as i recall taco. and as i recall you saved your game by sitting on the toilet is that right <laughs> i think so it's been so long since i've played it or is that because there was no more heroes 2 as well i'm not sure which one i had yeah there was there were there were two games for this series and it's 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 off its rocker it's completely it's like, it's like it's completely off its rocker <laughs> But yes, yeah, it's, it's it's Nintendo is an interesting company. Like like I said, they'll have they have games that are you know just exclusively based off their franchises, and then there are there are the occasions where they'll you know people will approach them with game ideas, and they're like, no, yeah, we'll we'll do that. We'll put that on a console. <laughs> and it's it's 
but an interesting uh interesting life so far just like just with the kind of stuff that they put out and like you said we'll have to wait and see how they bridge the gap to the animated uh film world but it's mm-hmm. uh if in terms of like just you know character like character types it's they've got plenty to choose from to base animated films off of mm definitely and i think they're suggesting that Mario might be in Wreck-It Ralph 2 as well, so... Oh, right, because they, they... I don't know if they could afford... Disney was able to afford him the first go-round, but I think that since they made enough money off the first one, they're like, oh yeah, Nintendo's like, yeah, sure, you can have Mario in there. <laughs> yeah, I think they didn't really want him in it until they saw the first one, and they're like, oh, no, that's all right. <laughs> no problems getting Bowser in there, though. Yeah. <laughs> But um, yeah, um, I think we've more or less exhausted this particular topic for the time being. So, did you guys want to move mm-hmm. on to the water cooler? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, Chris, I believe you said off the air that you had a few things to uh, discuss. So you'll go first, and then I think we'll go. We'll go to Yvonne and uh, some of the VR stuff that she's tried out. Okay, so uh, I watched this week the first episode of an anime series called Izetta the Last Witch that was on Funimation now as part of their broadcast dub thing. So it's been airing subtitled for a few weeks and now they've just released the first episode in English. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's set in sort of an alternate reality Europe where it's not it's not World War Two but there's a country called Germania that is um trying to invade other countries and there's another country called Britannia and they're all the same shape apparently but they're totally different. Um but there's there's also sort of a fantasy element of some sorts because it's called Isetta the Last Witch. Um and in the first episode, which is all I've seen so far, there is a princess who's who's uh, travelling on a train and she's trying to meet with um, an ambassador, I think it's the Britannian amb- ambassador, to make a deal to um, protect her country from the Germanians. Um, and there's Germanian spies chasing after them, Germanian, um, not spies, um, soldiers. And it's it's fun... It's always fun when you get a Japanese take on like a European setting or something. Mm-hmm. It's um, it's interesting to see things like I I love it when they do things set in the UK. Uh, like I I loved them. Um, I love Helsing. Oh yes. With the um, um, it's great because when you see it, it's something that's just a little bit off, and you're like, <laughs> it's wrong. Uh, like oh <laughs> Japan. Da, 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 da. I remember like. In Helsing, which is set, set in England, um, there is a there was like a a US style mo- like route sign on the on the well they'd probably say on the um the highway or whatever, but it's not a highway; it's a motorway, and it wouldn't have that sign because it's in the UK. <laughs> <laughs> and I just like the little, but when when you actually see real touches and stuff, it's always funny. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, this is period setting, which 
so I'm interested in in the setting, and I'm also interested in the fact that there seems to be a witch in it uh, because the princess is uh, basically she come she's she's having she had dreams about this witch or something. You see flashbacks, but then um, it turns out that the Germanians are transporting someone in like a looks like a coffin, and it turns out inside it's the witch. <laughs> and she's got some sort of connection with the princess and she she rides a gun like a broomstick <laughs> <laughs> nice but just like on this one episode I'm like mm, I'm intrigued uh, they seem to be like from the uh, closing titles and like some of the promotional art they seem to be pushing that there might be a romantic angle between the princess and the witch, possibly, but I don't know if that's just fan service or if that's actually something they're actually going to explore at all. But um, it's in- it, interesting. Yeah, I mean, it really depends on who's in charge, really, or what the kind of directions that they want to take with it. Because sometimes certain anime series will throw in stuff like that just for the sake of, like you said, fan service or just you know just for shits and giggles, and then other times they'll actually try to develop the relationship in a real way. It really just depends on how they're going to want to approach that here. But after one episode, it's really hard to tell. But the um, the animation's nice, and I like the setting and the, the concepts and everything so far, so I'm going to keep watching it for now at least. Um, some people say that a good good indicator of an anime series is, is to do a three-episode test. Like watch mm, at least yep. the first three episodes because um, you can't you can't really ever tell anime on the first episode because no sometimes it could be completely <laughs> a red herring of what the show's like or it might like finally introduce you to the concept in the last two minutes of the first episode or something so you can never really judge it on the first episode but yeah. sort of three episodes or so is normally quite a good indicator of whether you should keep going. But it's also interesting, like watching the the broadcast dub version because they turn these they turn these things around really quickly. But it's, it's decent quality, so I was impressed. Doesn't didn't sound any different from a normal dub really, which is interesting. Um, I also been rewatching Rick and Morty series one because it's cropped up on Netflix in the UK, and it's just. <laughs> Oh, so good it's just one of the best things so um so it reminds me of futurama in in a way the the wacky concepts and stuff but yeah. they're always like really well thought through and everything and i discovered that i hadn't seen all the episodes i thought i had and i i i got to like the fourth episode or something like i was like this one's not familiar and Uh-oh. i realized i haven't seen this one and that explains why whenever there were references to Mr. Meeseeks, I was like, I just went over my head. I was like, I, I seen him. I don't really remember. I don't really... And, and I know why. I haven't met Mr. Meeseeks. That's why. So there. I finally met Mr. Meeseeks. Hi, Mr. Meeseeks. Look at me. I know. And, um, and there was an awesome plot about going to like a, a fantasy world and climbing up a a beanstalk and um, accidentally killing the giant and getting arrested Uh-oh. by the giant police. 
<laughs> and um, there's also, I think they were kind of going for a sort of parody of Adventure Time in it, where they're sort of Adventure Time type creatures, but with a dark oh twist. Oh my! Oh, that, oh boy. <laughs> and that, that just made me thought that'd be such a great idea for a show, like, to do like a sort of Adventure Time type thing with all those no, sort of characters, be, but... You could, I think, possibly, you could work in a crossover with those two shows if you really, <laughs> if, if they really wanted to, it's possible. It would but be they crazy. Could, they could base it on Lemon Grab because he's voiced by Justin Roiland. So. <laughs> That'd be great. Oh, man. Make it happen before Adventure Time ends. Make a Rick and Morty <laughs> crossover episode. Uh, they could at least do a comic, because... Or that, you know, I'll take yeah. a comic, too. Uh, I, I also watched uh, a short slash music video uh, by someone called Porter Robinson, who I've never heard of, and it's called Shelter. Uh, but the reason I watched it is because it was made as a collaboration uh, between this Porter Robinson guy and Crunchyroll the anime streaming company, and A1 Pictures, who are an anime studio who've done things like Sword Art Online and other stuff. Uh, yeah, and that's I, what I was wondering, because I remember you, uh, you, I think you shared the link of that video to me, and the, from the style of it, it did kind of remind me a bit of uh, Sword Art Online. I mean, I, in the end, I wasn't a fan of Sword Art Online because of the places it went, but it was decently animated and everything and it looked nice uh it's just it got gross <laughs> but yes, this didn't um this is yeah it's a really beautifully made anime music video with a plot and stuff and it's worth checking out and you can see it on crunchyroll or youtube uh but apparently according to the reddit anime section the people who run that it's not anime uh, because there are some Western people involved with it, so that means it doesn't count. So that's fun. Uh, I beg to differ, good sir. Yeah, it's stupid. Because really, there's not such thing as anime. Uh, when you think about it, if you're going to take it that far, no, yeah. it's just it's just what Japanese people call all animation. So Japanese people call Frozen anime. So ha, what it's are you going to do just, about that? It's just guys it's no you you don't matter what you call it it's just it's just animation and we just use it to distinguish between anime from japan and i mean if you're going to take the word anime to literally mean japanese animation that obviously has to be from japan and this is from japan so even if there's western people involved it's like things like the animatrix and stuff still mm -hmm. anime even if there is Western involvement. If Japanese studios making it, I think that still counts. So that was a very silly debate. Well, yeah, yeah, it is. But regardless of whatever you want to call it, it's still really gorgeous to look at and it's worth being seen. So we'll make sure to include the link to the sh uh, music video in the show notes because it it's really really good. And it's exciting to see Crunchyroll being involved in stuff like this. Mm -hmm. This and Children of Ether and stuff. So 
we could be in for some fun things coming up. Totally. That's me done. Okay. So, Yvonne, <laughs> I think you said not just the VR, but you also had a couple of uh, animated films you were trying to catch up on. Oh, yeah. Well, for, for Animation Nights New York, I, I'm... Um... A few, I'm a couple hundred behind. Only a couple hundred. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I like to be caught up because there's always a lot, a lot of really great stuff mm-hmm. that comes through. So, but um, so funny. But yeah, we've we've got some really, really nice program showing this Wednesday. But um, I saw actually I saw a couple of things. Um, I I got to check out um. The PlayStation 4 um, VR um, headset. I, I didn't get a chance to use the controllers because it was sort of a line. But um, so they're so funny. They look like two lollipops. Ah. I guess they're actually just sort of a, a re. Um, they're sort of based on older controllers. Okay. Um, but I don't know very much about that. Um, but I have to say, I mean, it looked pretty good. Um, it's funny because I thought, you know, there was a lot set, being said about um, how they were sort of not getting rid of but making strides um, in the screen door effect is what they're calling um, sort of seeing the lens, you know, that sort of almost like grid you have to sort of look mm-hmm. beyond um, when you're looking into the um, headsets that keeps it from being really crystal clear. But um, then when I tried on the, my ATC Vive, I, I didn't think the notice was, I didn't think the difference was that, huge so i don't know about that for mm. me um but the content itself was good i don't know there are just so many demos and um so it's just some sort of more more demos um to look at and um but i did see the kind of a cool um uh i can't remember what the name of the experience was called but there was a shark that sort of swam through and you were down so the underwater experiences are always really effective because you have that mask on it's like like a diving, diving goggles mask. yeah <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So that's kind of interesting, but um, yeah, it's something else. It, it, there's there's a lot to to say about VR with regard to content it's just and stuff, increasing and use of the medium. Yeah, but um, but yeah. So that another cool thing that I saw was um, by Unity, um, glowing bulbs. What are they called? I have the pamphlet <laughs> right here. Um. Glowing Bulbs Visual Arts Ooh. Collective, and what it was is a, uh, it was a video mapping installation um, on the Manhattan Bridge um, um, in Dumbo, and it was projected onto the side of the bridge, and it uh, commemorated uh, 1956 um, Hungarian uh, Revolution. Well, for 14 days, um, Hungarian. Uh, sort of forces, small number of forces, um, you know, they didn't succeed, but they sort of stood up to Soviet troops. And, and so it was to com- commemorate this holiday, um, Hungarian holiday. And, uh, but the projection itself, I guess it took them only, they only had a month to complete the animation, but it was um, all this kind of cool um, animated pieces um, mapped onto the bridge and projected from across the street. And it just, it just mm-hmm. looked really cool. It was just really neat. And we're, we're actually, Animation Nice New York is going to, um, We'll be working with the Hungarian Cultural Center um, uh, with to to curate oh a show. Oh my gosh! Um, That's so cool. 
Yeah, yeah. It's something that I talked to them about before because um, they did an animated spirit show, which I thought was really beautiful and, and sort of along in, in the same vein, you know, as, as what we've been curating. And then, you know, we also have um, month after, well, November, um, Alish Gadeka is, is from the, coming from the Czech Republic to um, curate a show. So I just, I love, uh, and I met, it's cool, I met some of the people from like the Polish, um, I don't know if it's a Polish cultural center or anyway, he's sort of heading that. So I'm talking to him about um, potentially curating something or, or working with them to um, work on a program. Cause it's just cool. You know what I mean? It's just like nice to see animation from around the world, um, both submitted and then also with these curated programs, it's just kind of a neat thing to do. And it helps sort of strengthen the um, community, awesome. I think. And um, it's just very fascinating. Yeah. It's really, really interesting. Um, and also, you know, I gave him my card. He's like, oh, your last name is very <laughs> Polish. <laughs> like, yeah. And then I was just like, would you say my own last name for me so I can figure out how I'm, I'm, I'm slaughtering it with my American <laughs> way of pronouncing it, pronouncing it. Like, freaking, it's, I do, I slaughter. I mispronounce my own last name. So sad. Happens to the best um, of us. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, so there's so many. <laughs> anyway, I just, it was just funny. But, um, so that was a cool, that was a really cool, um, uh, experience to sort of check that out. And then, um, and then on the HTC Vive, um, we've been to this before, but yeah, so Invasion is available and, um, Alamet's available. Um, but also, um, from Squatch Tendo. Yes. <laughs> um, and I, I put a, uh, I gave you guys a link to this. Um, I'll email it in a couple seconds, but, um, uh, the game accounting it's called accounting is um is free right now um on steam so that's that's worth it <laughs> it's definitely especially because it's free it's um if you can check that out it's pretty darn funny as you um can imagine because it's uh from justin roiland and and um yeah it's just hilarious <laughs> there's no it's just weird and hilarious and um and um you just sort of shake your head while you're in the experience it's it's pretty great and the other thing i checked out is called irrational exuberance um by a company called buffalo vision mm. it was really beautiful um you sort of they really just try to push it felt less like a demo and more like a an experience um i mean as to the counting honestly it was a complete piece mm -hmm. anyway <laughs> piece of what no, i don't know no it was really really good it was really funny but um irrational exuberance um you're sort of it's all it's more meditative and there are a few pieces like this where they're like they're almost like um art installations more than anything else so you have um music and then in this one you're sort of floating in space on a rock and um, you touch the rocks around you and sort of break out of this um, structure, um, almost like an egg cracking, but in chunks. And then there are noises that um, sort of accompany that. And, and, and the fact that you're floating in space and can float in space on a rock somewhere is, you know, it's magnificent. It's, it's really, um, I'm not sure exactly how to explain it. It's... It's like in part meditative and part kind of, it's meditative. I mean, I don't know how else to describe it. It's just, it's something else. It puts it's you in a strange, strange state of mind. Yeah, kind of. And then, and, uh, 
and then you have, you know, sort of comets flying towards you and you're, you're basically just kind of interacting with things around you and there's like a musical element to it. Um, but it's very, it's calming and, and, um, and yeah, there have been a number of pieces like this that are more like art installation that sort of just maybe change your perception about reality more than anything else. And I don't know if that's um, specifically their goal or if they're just, you know, I think they're really trying to push the um, limits of, of uh, or push, utilize, they're trying to utilize the room space, the room mm-hmm. scale thing. Um, so, and, and, and a lot of this is a, a testing ground. Gotcha. You know? But um, but those two experiences are really, really pretty cool. Um, and uh, what was the other one that I looked at? Oh, there was some issue with like a, a encrypted file, and it was showing up as a um, virus. And honestly, I just didn't really feel like playing around with that. <laughs> so I was just like, we'll wait till they update. Because. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, those but those experiences are really Sounds good. And otherwise, wild. I don't think I really watched anything else. Oh, I, I guess I did check out Little Star a little bit. That's a um, sort of service uh, for 360 videos oh. um, that you can play on HTC Vive. And that was a conversation I actually had with Mark recently. It was just like, you know, why? I mean, I know why I would put on an HTC headset every day because it's like fun and a little bit of an escape mm-hmm. and, you know, cause I like, you know, as we all do and we'd like get playing games and, and, um, you know, but like, why would you really like, mm-hmm. what, you know what I mean? It's like, would you, it doesn't seem, there's not quite enough content yet that really would sell the idea of doing, of putting this on every day. The same way you would like, say you look at your phone all yeah, the time, yeah, you yeah. know, for news and stuff. And, um, yeah, it's it's like I, you know, if I had opportunity to see 360 video that was also like proper news coverage or interesting at least, you know, and not just you know, doing it for the sake of doing yeah. 360. They're all really short, like three minutes long too. Um, you know, once that content um, is created, I think it'll be really interesting. But right now it's like, um, it's just an, it's just an interesting topic. Like there's not, it doesn't seem to be like enough of a, uh, there's just not enough of an impetus to like, well, what are you going to look at? You know what I mean? mean. So you play games. I think we we discussed this a little bit of last week as well. It was um, where it's just like, it's kind of because this is such a new thing. It's kind of like everyone's trying to like grasp at straws. Like, Oh, this would be great. Oh, this would be good. This would be good for the uh, virtual reality and just kind of grasping us. There is really nothing to the kind of define what this experience should be used for, what it could, it should generally just, you know, be used for, like what can be used, what shouldn't be used. People are, we're still in the process of figuring that out. And as far as animation goes, it looks like this is the kind of, you know, VR would be the perfect thing to help try and like, you know, capture like, you know, different, like, like short films, video games, that kind of stuff. Well, yes and no. I mean, because the thing is like, there's no cheating to the camera Ah. for one thing. So, so, like, you really, I mean, you wind up seeing a lot of, like, kind of shitty motion uh. capture. Um, and then uh, people going, like, oh, this is a beautiful experience. And I'm like, yeah, except for the shitty motion capture. Like, why couldn't they put more? So, and I think there's going to be a lot of garbage um, sort of pushed mm-hmm. through as well, you know, because um, just because of there's, there's a lack of content. 
Um, again, that's why we're sort of reaching out for like quality yeah. content too. And we have this ability, this um, stage to, to really um, present stuff. And, and that's um, a good point. Uh, you know, and, and cause everyone's also, it's the, it's, it's dazzling. So everyone's everyone's still so dazzled by the fact that this is still a thing. So it's really hard to tell at this point, like, okay, unless you mm-hmm. know what to look for, what's quality, what isn't quality. So it's important to put what is quality up on a pedestal and be like, hey, guys, look at this. This is what we should be striving for. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the same thing that we're sort of trying to do with short films, too. It's like... It's like quality first before, you know, this isn't a quality before marketability contest. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And yeah, before anything else. So, so, you know, it's, it's interesting thing. I mean, I think the virtual reality stuff would be really great for, um, for learning and for Mm -hmm. language. Um, and I look forward to seeing some of that stuff come through and I almost wonder if it wouldn't be good for sort of meditation type practices Mm. Um, just cause it does put you in this weird headspace, yeah. you know? Um, and for, 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 uh, therapy type, uh, uses, but, um, and games, of course, always games, but, um, you know, in games, games, those sort of like, oh man, I mean, I know Red Dead Redemption won't be available for VR yeah. probably. I don't actually, I haven't heard anything about that, but you know, there's a new Red yes, Dead Redemption. I, did. I saw the trailer. Out. Jesus. Did you hear the rumors about um <laughs> um <laughs> about it being a prequel? Uh, you know, in hindsight when I I guess I I remember playing the original Red Dead Redemption way back when I was actually kind of hoping that it was going to be a prequel. So if that is indeed the case, yeah. just, that, that's a big uh, sigh of relief from me because whew. Oh god, yeah, cuz John Marston I had this crush on him, which is totally No, strange. I believe it. I know. Right? He was so appealing. He was so appealing. And and then stupid Jack was so whiny and his little son. And um, you know, and just in comparison, so yeah, when I heard that I was just like, Oh, I'm so buying that so uh, that's that's really exciting, but you know, Fallout is supposed to come to VR. You know what? That really makes sense. Uh, like any, I would imagine any kind of Bethesda game would be per- would be a really interesting yeah. experiment on the uh, the VR platform because most of the game you can play from first person. So why would you not mm-hmm. take that next step and just you know at least just to see if it could work? And also, those games are made. I mean, they're perfect. They're perfect. The only thing that I mean would be an issue is, I mean, just the amount of content. Yeah, because those, right? those are but, really uh, content-heavy games. But then games. again... They're all, like, both Red Dead Redemption and a lot of, uh, you know, Bethesda games like uh, Fallout and uh, Skyrim and all those are Those are those are classic, like, sandbox games where you've got, like... Yeah, love those. Those are my real favorite maps, games. Yeah, lots of side quests, lots of... And tons of content mm-hmm. condensed into just... A, a single space where you, but you know, it's like you know, several like spaces wide. Yeah, they're already in. I mean, we're basically projecting ourselves into the game anyway, just through our mm-hmm. imagination. So, <laughs> so I mean, they're really are perfect for VR. And actually, I don't think the content thing would probably be an issue at all anyway, because they're all they were thinking about mm-hmm. that anyway. I don't know. I'm really looking forward to it. I, think, I can't uh, wait because that's the kind of experience that's going to be like. It's not going to look as good, for one thing, 
but the content is there and like narrative wise and, and just, and we'll see what the gameplay is like. But I, I mean, I tell you, if it's based on anything that I've experienced so far, like with vanishing realms or, or yeah, uh, I think what would make the I most sense even, from, at least from my perspective that. would be like stuff like Bethesda fallout and Skyrim. Those kind of games yeah. would make the most sense to start out with. And then once you've got, once you know, you can tackle something as big as that, then you can experiment more with like different sound, like maybe like then going for like a Red Dead kind of uh, Western themed, you know, gameplay and stuff like that, and see then see where you go from there. But that's like listen the see if you can tackle like you know what Bethesda's already gotten you know pat patted down first and then expanding outward. Yeah, well, I mean, I think they're probably equal in level of complexity and stuff because there's so many. Um, same number of side oh, yeah. quests and things, I think, for Red Dead Redemption and and um, and uh, and uh, Fallout. But it's just, yeah, it's nuts. I, I just, I, I, uh, yeah, I can't wait. Yeah, there is one other game. It's the I was having problems. What was it called? Oh, wow. Onward. Interesting it's name. Onward. And that is a shooter. Uh. Uh, tactical multiplayer okay. shooter for oh. VR, and I'm I'm really interested in checking it out because that's probably, you know, that's exactly it's the same it's the same type of well except it's multiplayer which yeah, is even cooler. But it's supposed to be really good. But there was some issue with one of the files. Um, is coming up as a as a oh, virus. One of the crypto files. So yeah, I and I just didn't. It just was making me nervous, and I was tired, and I'm just like, I don't want to open up somewhere. Yeah, like, with games, early release games like that, that you know have problems straight off the bat. I remember I had, um, a, I'm having a, seri- a similar experience with uh, the most recent uh, Dark Souls game, because um, I've played most Dark Souls uh-huh. games that I've ever played. They've all been on PC, and uh, with you know, I played first one PC, and then. Uh, the second one I also played on PC with my friends, and we were all hoping to have another go on uh, Dark Souls 3 on the PC, but from what I've heard, and I don't know if this has been fixed or not, you know, um, is the fact that, you know, both the uh, console versions of Dark Souls 3 work just fine in multiplayer. From what I've heard, though, the PC version was just absolutely terrible, and, and as, as far as I'm aware, they haven't mm. had success in patching that up. Maybe that's changed since last I checked on it, but um, I know for a fact that we're not touching that game, and we're not we're not buying it and investing our money in it when we know that it's not going to do what we need it to do. Right. And unfortunately, we don't all have yeah, the consoles that's... necessary or in order to play it, you know, online console version, and if that was the case, we wouldn't be able to call each other on Skype and be like, hey, where are you? <laughs> <laughs> is your summon sign down? Uh, it's like I've been staring at the ground for ten minutes. I still don't see it. <laughs> oh, you, you know another VR title that's really awesome is um, Ping Pong. Oh my god, <laughs> Ping Pong game. Is Ping really pong. Good. It's really good. <laughs> it's really good. <laughs> I am, I, I, I'm not gonna doubt you there because you've you've had a lot more VR experience than I have. 
Yeah, I just I need to make more friends who have consoles. So are you definitely you'll be getting the PS? I already uh, 4, have a PS4, uh, and I think I the the yeah. it's only a matter of time before I get the uh, the VR extension to it because, like I said, I have uh, certain family members who are rather invested in uh, me acquiring that. So it's <laughs> like I said, it's only a matter of time. So we'll believe me once that once that uh, hurdle is has been leapt over, I will let you know. Yeah, I may have to, um, I don't know, we'll see. We'll see what happens, but, you know, depending on what titles are coming out, we might have to yes, invest. Yes, <laughs> And, uh, yeah, that way, yeah, maybe we can play game <laughs> <home. laughs> That would be awesome if I could play, like, every like every week after getting off a podcast, I play you with virtual ping pong. Right. That'd be great. Or shoot guns, that's fun, too. <laughs> I'm more of an archer myself, but... Hey, you know... Uh. <laughs> uh anything else or is that that's that's the round of it that covers it really cool. for me. i've only got a few things to add myself i'm only gonna talk about two of them here but um one of the one of the things that i've seen this uh past week that i've been waiting quite a while to see that i finally had the opportunity to watch as of yesterday was a little film that we've talked about a couple times uh, on the website called Boy in the World, a uh, animated film that came out of Brazil, I believe, and it's a Oscar nominated Oscar nominated film, yes. Yeah. And uh, I got I finally had the opportunity to see it for the first time as of yesterday with my mom, who I who's strangely enough she's not I mean she likes watching animation with me, but not like to the point like you know everything under the sun that I like oh mom this is cool and like she'll watch some of it like if it's Disney or Pixar related and sometimes she'll take a chance on an anime film or two but this is uh this was like a first like real like artsy film that she uh actually expressed interest in watching and uh we both sat down yesterday afternoon and turned it on and watched it and wow the color palette mm-hmm. in that movie was just freaking off the wall it was just such, it's such a stylized movie. It's like, I remember we were just watching it and we were, like, coming away from the film. And I told mom, I told my mom, I was like, you know, this was Oscar, nominated for an Oscar. And she's like, well, why didn't it win? And I'm like, it went against, it, it was up against Inside <laughs> Out. And she's like, I liked Inside Out, but it, this, this was more deserving of an Oscar than Inside Out. Hmm? And it's like, yeah, and it's like, hey, we're, uh... we're of the same opinion then. Because it was, it was, it was oh, a great. very beautiful movie, and it's one of the things I appreciate about it the most is the fact that a it doesn't really have any um, spoken dialogue, so you could technically say it counts as a silent film. And wow. you know, I mean, obviously, like you hear characters talk, like certain characters, but they don't actually, you know, there aren't any subtitles telling you what they're saying, or you know, they they're not speaking in a language you recognize, or you can recognize. So, but um. So yeah, you could technically class, you know, classify it as a silent movie, and just kind of using you know, the the oh. actions of the characters and the body language and the expressions to tell the story. And it, even if you know, with that that also said, it doesn't really go out of its way to explain to you the symbolism. It's it's more lines of like you you it presents these visuals to you, and then you can basically take your own ideas of what that could mean, and then just kind of run with it. So it's definitely a film that I'm going to have to watch again just to try and, you know, it, it, it left a first impression on me for sure, but I don't think I'm really going to 
understand everything about it unless I see it again. Maybe maybe multiple times. Wow. But it was oh, it was so beautiful to look at. It, 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 and with the great. character designs, like Lomas looks like they're like you know like a design you could draw out like with a, just a simple pencil and paper. But that's that's kind of the also part of the beauty of it. It's the fact that it's it's simple, but it's it's that simplicity that makes it beautiful. But the oh man, like I said, I'm 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 gonna need to watch that movie again, <laughs> just to get a better mm-hmm. you know feel of it. But it's 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 got it's it's bright, it's colorful, it's also got some really dark themes in it. With uh, as the story progresses, but it's it all comes back full circle to the point where it's like you know it's like I it's it's definitely a standout animated film that is worth being shared with as many people as possible, and I'm really happy that the fact that it got an Oscar nomination might have played a part in getting that uh giving that a wider release, and also thank you G Kids again for making sure that that yeah. you know has gotten to as many people as it possibly can. Ugh, just, I'm, it's, because it was funny, it was after I, mom and I finished watching that movie, we were just kind of sitting there on the couch, you know, trying to pick it apart and figure it out, and it was like, it was one of those movies, like, you know, as you're figuring out, it's like, you know, I'm gonna get a drink, you know, it's like, grab a beer and just start thinking about, like, the, like, the (laughs) subtleties of the animation and the, what the story, like, really meant in the (laughs) end and stuff like that, it was like, it was, it was, it was deep, deep stuff. Wow. But on the uh, other side of the spectrum, it was literally the uh, same night I recorded uh, the latest episode of uh, Star Wars Rebels, and I I didn't have a chance to watch it last night, unfortunately, but I was able to watch it this morning, Uh, and it was, I mean, obviously, like, the the quality has been consistent with that show, like, with the uh, following seasons, especially this particular season, has been very, very consistent in... uh, the quality of each episode, but with this recent one, I'm not going to talk go in too de- in depth with it for those of you who worry about spoilers for an episode. But the big selling point with this one is the fact that um, we have our Jedi characters are teaming up with our uh, Clone War uh, our Clone Soldier veteran from the previous series of the Clone Wars. And this episode was supposed to be kind of like an end cap because they actually come across a derelict ship that has still has the uh, battle droids from the Clone Wars that are still working and still uh, under the belief that the Clone Wars are kind of still going on or look at least looking to finally decide, okay, who would if the Clone Wars ended properly, who would have won? The droid army or the clone troopers and the Jedi uh, team up together? So they kind of have a little war game to figure out who would win. And it's... for As someone who watched the Clone War television series, you know, a lot of those people who worked on that show are now working on Rebels. I think this was kind of like a love letter to all the people who watched that show and were upset that it kind of got, you know, had to get cancelled so abruptly once the whole thing with the deal with Disney went through and they were making that transition from getting rebel uh getting uh rebels started and making sure the clone wars was had finished its run even though they still had so much stuff left to uh you know planned out to eventually do but never got off the ground but it was just it was a great closure for just those characters on that whole conflict that was been that was always been a big like plot point in the uh the star wars mythos and then just for the people who watched that show just kind of get some 
finality and closure to that whole story arc was really, really, really well put together. So I kind of teared up a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like, oh, I'll never forget. So great. But that's really that's really all I have to offer to the water cooler this week. But it was uh, it's good stuff. So you're you if you really if you were into Clone Wars and you're still not sure about Rebels, if you haven't jumped on the bandwagon yet, start with that episode and then work your way you know from the backlog all the way up to the current episodes because it's it's good stuff. It's made, made it's made by the same people. So if they haven't honored all what like they did before, it's they they've they've come full circle now. So, yeah, I think that kind of more or less wraps up our episode today. So uh, thank you guys really so much for being a part of this episode. And uh, if you're interested in checking out any of our other previous episodes, we have them up on the website at animationforadults.com. We also have them on iTunes, podcast.com, and Stitcher. And if you want to just keep up with what's going on in the animation news and reviews and you can just check out our website as well and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest and Instagram and Chris, where can we find you on social medias? Find me at Mr. Crystal on Twitter and Facebook and I have, in the last week uh, my second article went up on Facebook the UK Funimation Now blog on the uh, the crazy anime series Yurikuma Yura, Arashi, which is okay. which is a good show. Read my article. <laughs> <laughs> Check that out, guys. And Yvonne, where can we find you on social media? I am on Twitter at Eisner underscore Inc. And... Um, and if you'd like to, if you have a short animated film you'd like to submit to Animation Nights New York, please do uh, at our website, animationnights.nyc. Um, you can you can submit via Film Freeway. We'll be happy to watch your film, um, even though I'm 200 behind. Even, even, even <laughs> but if we'll get she's to behind, she will get to you. That's right. <laughs> I'll catch up soon. And you can find me on social media at Twitter at fail to ninja. So, again, thank you very much, everyone, for joining us for this episode, and we will see you next time on the AFA podcast for episode 59. Take care. Game over. Game over. (laughs) I like Zelda more before the 64. Hashtag of time before you say something you might regret hello Dave don't kiss our Karina on the internet or what Writing fanboys you provoke They don't know you're otherwise a decent bloke Oh no Ocarina Minions Look Dave, this is my opinion 
After 12 hours, your opinion is conjecture. Do I sense a rambling lecture? Yes, Hyrule was grander in our minds than a flat to the plane. We long for a game to expand that old land that we love. Secrets and treasures we can find in the corners and caves that we couldn't see back when we squinted down from above. Run round wild and free, dive into the sea, climb a tree and gentle.